Welcome to today's issues. Join us for the next hour as we offer a Christian response to the issues of the day. And good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Monday edition of today's issues. Fred Jackson here today. The usuals, Brother Tim and Brother Ed and a few of the others uh, aren't with us today. Uh, taking an extended uh, long weekend, uh, actually away on AFA business. So uh, they're they're working. Uh, they're just not with us today. So we're they called upon the B team, and we are here. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, Dr. Ray Pritchard of Keep Believing Ministries with us from Kansas. Good morning, Ray. Hey, good morning, Fred. How you doing? Not too bad. I, I we, you were chatting just before we went on the air. You just got back from your uh, adventure in Oregon early this yeah. morning, was it? Yeah, about one o'clock this morning, we we got in from a weekend trip. You know, I, I told the folks last week I was heading to Cannon Beach, Oregon, right on the Pacific Ocean, and did a Bible conference there over the weekend, uh-huh. and had a wonderful one. It, it was which is what you would expect. It was it was rainy, you know, rainy, and, and, and coming in off the Pacific, and 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 all of that, and, and pretty chilly. I had a wonderful had a wonderful time there. But it, it takes a long time to get from the Pacific <laughs> Coast back here to Kansas City. So I got in about 1 o'clock this morning, but here we are. Yes, uh, but the conference went well despite the weather outside. You know, th- most of the people there are from the Pacific Northwest, so this didn't phase them a bit, you know. Course, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're in Oregon, you're used to rain and mist and, and uh, chilly weather and all of that. So, yeah, yeah, I went walking on the beach a couple of times. Nice, and, uh, nice, yeah. nice. We well, we lived time. on the West Coast for 10 years, so yeah. we're very familiar. And, and you're exactly right. If if you're going to let the rain keep you inside, you're going to be inside for months. That's right. Uh, you're, you're probably in the wrong part of the country that, if you're going right. to let it get to you like that. That's right. What you do to escape is uh, buy a ticket to Hawaii that's and right. spend a few weeks down there. <laughs> Also joining us today as part of the great B-team is Chris Woodward from American Family News. Chris, welcome. Good morning, and I don't know if you know this, but supposedly Atlanta gets more rain than Seattle. Is that possible? Yes. No, for real. Is that like one of one of those facts you just kind of make up and ask us, do we really believe it or not? <laughs> yeah, oh. I've, I've seen this and heard it from a lot of places, and I just looked it up again just to make sure I had not mis, uh, misspoken okay. or something. And, uh, yeah, there are uh, various posts on the Internet uh, that say Atlanta gets 51 and a half inches of rain on average per year. Seattle gets 38 inches of rain on average per year. Oh, my God. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. Hot Atlanta. That's why it's so hot there. Yes. It just got done raining, and then the temperature rose. Well, I know, having lived here in the south now for over 24 years, uh, when you do get a good dump of rain, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really good. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, It comes down in torrents. Uh, We're talking six, seven, eight inches at a time sometimes. Mm -hmm. And you got those hurricanes that come in and uh, dump a lot of rain. Uh, they just spread it out in the West Coast. We also have uh, we also have things that I've referred to as hurricanados. Uh, you're not really sure what it is. It was just a storm that blew through That's and made right. some damage. So you guys have a, a good Thanksgiving. You, you, of course, Ray, were out on the West Coast. Did they have turkey at your conference? Oh, the, on Thursday night. That, uh, that was the opening of the conference. Oh, they had a big spread. Oh, big, nice. Big, big spread. And, uh, you know, oh, and and, and and they had, what, the pumpkin pie and the apple pie and the pecan pie. So, yeah. And I had to preach an hour after that. 
Yeah. It's hard to eat and get up and preach. It's even harder to eat and then listen to somebody get That's up That's what and I was going to say. I, I wouldn't want to offend you, Ray. No, no. But Hey, there was that guy in the book of Acts that fell asleep during yeah, one of the whole sermons. We, we, we had a whole room full of people named Eutychus Thursday night. <laughs> Oh, that's good. Chris, you had a good Thanksgiving? We did. Family? Yeah, we did it across a couple of days. I did my wife's uh, family on Thursday evening, and then we did uh, my family, my mom and brother or sister-in-law and some other folks on uh, Friday. And uh, I think I, I'm, I probably don't have to eat again until next Friday. Uh, <laughs> but I consumed a lot of calories. We, uh, we did not preach on gluttony on Sunday. Uh, there you Let's go. put it that way. That's probably a wise idea. That's right. Well, listen, while we're away having a great time with our families and eating more than we normally do, uh, the world of news went on. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we learned over the weekend, there was uh, a new variant that people are talking about of COVID, Omicron. Omicron, yes. Omicron. I I had to go to uh, whoever that lady is that does the pronouncers. Uh, She's very good. And uh, that's the way she pronounces Omicron. Out of uh, South Africa. It is. And... uh, uh, one doctor's opinion that I, I read coming out of South Africa is that this is like really mild. He's saying the symptoms, you know, a little bit of coughing for a few days, mm-hmm. kind of tired, and then it's done. But, uh, Chris, the, the White House is, is going pretty crazy yes, over this. Yes, they are. Starting today, uh, the U.S. is limiting travel from South Africa and several other countries due to what they're calling the troubling new COVID-19 variant, Omicron, which sounds like a transformer, uh, but it's supposedly a variant of COVID-19. Um, just to go over the list here, new restrictions uh, are going to apply to South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, Namibia, Lesotho, if I'm saying that correctly, Eswatini, Mozambique, and Malawi. U.S. citizens and lawful permanent residents are excluded. So let's say a missionary goes over there and wants to come back, they can. Um, A Peace Corps volunteer or something like that. But people from those countries right now are not going to be allowed into the U.S. And that's kind of caused a lot of debate uh, because the Biden administration said they were going to do that. uh, But then on Sunday, the World Health Organization of all entities urged countries around the world not to impose flight bans on southern African nations. Yeah, Ray, let's take a little walk down memory lane. Yeah. Seems to me, I remember before Joe Biden became President Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and all of those when President Trump at the time issued a travel ban for China, all of a sudden that was racist, xenophobic, and they sure are singing a different tune now. Could it be that politics get involved with these decisions? You know, what What a shock that politicians play politics, even with something like the health of the nation or the health of the world. When Mr. Trump said he's going to ban travel from China, that was xenophobic and that was racist. But now evidently it's okay to ban travel from this, what, five or six or seven countries down there in mm-hmm. South Africa for a a, ver- a variant that the doctors in South Africa say, yes, it is highly transmissible, but it is actually very mild in what it does. So, how come how come it was wrong for Mr. Trump to ban travel from China when when at that time we knew much less than we know now and now when we know so much more it's okay to ban travel from those South African countries it doesn't even make sense it's completely 
illogical. Yeah. Chris, uh, we have some reaction to that. We do. Which one? Uh, which one do you want to start with, uh, Senator Tom Cotton? Yes, we do have some uh, reaction from a lot of people today that we'll uh, be airing throughout the show. But let's do this. Uh, this was Senator Tom Cotton today from Arkansas on Fox and Friends talking about the travel ban to parts of Africa. Clip one. What President Biden did over the weekend is a typical half measure that reflects the incompetence of this administration. If you want to implement a travel ban, it needs to go into effect immediately. Exactly. That's what most European nations did that implemented that travel ban. If you don't want to implement a travel ban because you think the virus is already here or that it's counterproductive, then you shouldn't do so. But this is yet another incompetent half measure. As you said, Brian, last January, when the Democrats were wasting the American people's time with the impeachment trial of President Trump, I was trying to sound the alarm about this virus. I was calling for President Trump to stop travel immediately from China to the United States. After about a week, President Trump did so. And I remember then that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris denounced it as xenophobic and racist, just like they called subsequent travel bans on other countries racist as well. You know, what's amazing to me, Ray, is um, we have a crisis on our southern border. We now have thousands of people per month flowing across that border from more than 120 countries around the world. There's another 10,000 coming up right now getting set to cross our border. I was told uh, by someone this morning that at least 25% of those have COVID, but they're flowing into this country and the Biden administration and the mainstream and their friends in the mainstream mm -hmm. media have almost forgotten about it. They haven't forgotten about it. They're just ignoring that and totally. Well, isn't it isn't it correct that when these when these folks are coming in illegally, they're not being stopped at no, the border. No. We're not doing any sort of check for COVID anyway. So it, I don't understand what good does a travel ban do for these countries from South Africa when we know, guys, we know that there are these 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 undocumented people coming in illegally across the border and what, twenty five percent of them have COVID in one of its one of its many different variations. How how does this make any rational sense at all? It doesn't. Well, it's, it's not rational, but also, Chris, you know, we have people like Dr. Fauci who mm -hmm. preach, follow the science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're following the science. We're following the science. You know, the American people are waking up that perhaps Dr. Fauci has a problem with truth. Yeah, I'm convinced the first-time traveler is going to be Someone who goes back to try to convince Donald Trump to fire Anthony Fauci. But that's just me. Uh, yeah, so Dr. Fauci, obviously, he's been criticized a lot for a lot of things for going back almost two years now. Um, and one of the, or two of the people, actually, that are really uh, critical of Dr. Fauci are Senators Ted Cruz and Senator uh, Rand Paul. Uh, Rand Paul, obviously, has made a lot of headlines for months now criticizing Dr. Fauci, Fauci uh, for being involved in so-called gain-of-function research. That's where you take something and you tweak it to see how dangerous it might be and how you can stop it, stuff like that. Uh, Dr. Fauci has long maintained that he played no role in that, even though there has been evidence come to light saying uh, he's uh, not telling the truth there. So uh, that, that criticism has continued in recent days, and Dr. Anthony Fauci attempted to uh, defend himself. Uh, I've got a couple of different bites here, but Dr. Anthony Fauci attempted to uh, defend himself against the criticisms from Senators Ted Cruz and Rand Paul. Clip three. So anybody who spins lies and threatens and all that theater that goes on with some of the investigations and the congressional committees and the Rand Pauls and all that other nonsense, that's noise, Margaret. That's noise. 
I know what my job is. Senator Cruz told the attorney general you should be prosecuted. Yeah. <laughs> I have to laugh at that. <laughs> I should be prosecuted. What happened on January 6th, Senator? <laughs> Do you think that this is about making you a scapegoat to deflect of course. from President Trump? Of course. You have to be asleep not to figure that one out. Well, there are a lot of Republican senators uh, taking aim at this. I mean, That's okay. I'm just going to do my job. And I'm going to be saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Wow, he doesn't think much of himself. No. <laughs> uh, I'm saving lives, and they're going to be lying. Now, uh, who is interviewing Dr. Fauci? Yeah, that would be uh, someone, uh, Margaret Brennan. She's a uh, CBS personality. CBS, Okay. You know, I, I think if I was that that lady, and I'm sure she's been in the business a long time, I may have questioned Dr. Fauci about why, why they are calling him a liar and why they believe that he should appear under subpoena once again to answer to charges that at one point he denied uh, gain-of-function uh, experimentation mm -hmm. in China. Now, he, he did that under oath. And now we know that that was not true because of, I think, of a Freedom of Information mm -hmm. application being done by a group, that we now know that that is true, that he was part of a plan right. to allow China to do this gain-of-function experimentation, which is extremely dangerous. But she she kind of left that up and, and certainly let him get away with it. Oh, Chris. yeah, which is, you know, exhibit... 9,400,323 from the mainstream media letting whatever Dr. Fauci say be, you know, as if it's gospel or something. They never challenge him on these things, even though he himself told Rand Paul during a Senate uh, committee hearing in May of 2020, I never said I was the end-all be-all on these things. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he tends to, he just throws it out there and never never shares that sentiment with media. And rarely do anybody, uh, does anybody ever push back here. Somebody that did talk uh, today about uh, Fauci and the gain-of-function stuff is, again, Senator Tom Cotton on Fox & Friends, clip five. No bureaucrat like Tony Fauci should be engaged in a partisan battle back and forth with an elected member of the United States Senate. Ted Cruz, like 99 other senators, represent the people who elected him. That bureaucrat, like Tony Fauci, works for those people. Second, Tony Fauci lied to Congress, and he should be investigated. He repeatedly said that his agency did not fund dangerous and risky gain-of-function research in the, those Wuhan labs, which almost certainly was the origin of this virus. He said it repeatedly to Congress. His agency just admitted a few weeks ago that, yes, they did, in fact, fund gain-of-function research. So there's a lie there. It's either Tony Fauci lying to Congress or his agency, after months of stonewalling, writing a letter to Congress and admitting it. I suspect it's Tony Fauci lying on the spot in his testimony to Congress. He put the American people at risk by funding this dangerous research, which was happening under the Obama administration. Ray, I think the American people are catching on that the Biden administration, with the help of Dr. Fauci, at least, and I, I don't want to minimize because I know we have people who have lost loved ones uh, due to COVID, and I'm, I'm not minimizing that at all. But I do believe there is a very strong political agenda here that involves more government control over our lives. A very dangerous game, but I think the American people are catching on to it. Well, at, first of all, Fred, the, the media in general, we're talking the mainstream media, CNN, Washington Post, New York Times, they have done everything they could to protect 
Dr. Anthony Fauci to protect his, uh, his reputation, to cover for him, uh, to make light of the accusations. But as you said, the truth is now coming out. So somebody, somebody did tell a lie, right? Mm-hmm. It's either Fauci or it's the organization that he heads. And I think it almost certainly has to be him. And I think he said what he said because he thought that the truth would never come out or the media would cover for him. But the American people are catching on. So, uh, well, do I think he's ever going to go to jail for this? No, I doubt it. But I am glad at least he is being exposed as someone whose word cannot be trusted. Now, Chris, we're being told today uh, the president has a news conference in a couple of hours where he's going to talk about this. But from what I understand is, uh, along with the uh, the travel bans that he's already put in place, we just talked about a few moments ago, he's once again going to say the fact that there is a new variant now proves that we need to be fully vaccinated. Right. He's yeah. going to he's going to use this again to be his bully pulp. Yeah, and a good example, I think, to, to prove your point is uh, last week, just before the Thanksgiving break, the administration asked the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals to lift the stay on his uh, mandate for millions of private sector workers to get the shots or test positive or test negative as a condition of employment. You know, the Fifth Circuit said, you, you can't do this right now. They put a stay on it. Uh, and since then, the Sixth Circuit was the one selected to hear all the cases going forward. And that's why they went to that Court of Appeals to ask for them to lift the uh, the pause. You know, the president, again, um, has talked about uh, the need to get vaccinated, the need to wear masks, even though he himself I'm sure everybody's seen the video by now. He himself was uh, videotaped uh, in Nantucket where he celebrated Thanksgiving. Over the weekend, yeah. 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 He was at a store, close, you know, confinements, uh, walking around, meeting and greeting people as any president would, and he was not wearing a mask. The ironic thing is, uh, not only has he been somebody saying, you know, things like your patriotic duty is to wear a mask, there was literally a sign on the door that said face masks required (laughs) that Joe Biden himself ignored. Yes. So Look, this, this is why, Ray, I, I just think people have had enough of this nonsense, enough of the hypocrisy, and we're just not going to do it anymore. Look, th- there is no question that across the country, if once you get outside the, the echo chamber up in D.C., Americans are doing exactly what you said. They are tired of being lied to. They, are, they doubt the words coming out from our leaders now and, and folks across the country. Uh, what we used to call the heartland of America. They've just had it. They've had it with school closures. They've had it with lockdowns. They've had it with online teaching. And they certainly have had it with this mask requirement. When How many times have we seen, whether it's uh, Nancy Pelosi or our president, going somewhere without a mask mm-hmm. and partying and laughing and yucking it up while the rest of the country is supposed to be masked up almost whenever we go outdoors, go to a restaurant, yeah. go anywhere. Americans are sick of that. You cannot even attend a sporting event in a large stadium in New York now without showing proof that you're so-called vaccinated. Yeah, You can't eat out on a street mm. um, in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, uh, even... Uh, even San Francisco is requiring you to show, or they want you to show, that your five-year-old has been vaccinated in order to eat out in San Francisco. And there's similar rules in other parts of the country. If it's not happening in your state yet, it probably will be pushed at some point by a legislator come the next uh, session, for sure. Did you guys see the story on the weekend where Florida, Florida now has the lowest rate of COVID cases in the country? In the country. Florida, which is... 
pretty well wide open. I've been down there a couple of times in mm-hmm. recent months. It's you hardly know anything about COVID and COVID restrictions down in Florida. Uh, but yeah, it is has the uh, the smallest number of cases of COVID in the country on a per capita basis. So Ray, once again, uh, it is just all of this is going into a pot that the American people are starting to look at and saying something's not right here. You know, the the American people are not stupid. We we're willing to give the government a chance. I mean, we all went along with the 15 days, you know, way back in that's a, that's hard to remember back then, but we went along with it, right? People shut things down because we thought in two weeks or three weeks we would be over this. Uh, I was thinking, guys, over the weekend. So we see the president without a mask. We see Nancy Pelosi without a mask and other people. But Americans are voting with their feet. I mean, you, you saw this huge crowd at the, uh, at the Auburn-Alabama game, right? Right. And, and, and nobody's wearing a mask. But, hey, up there in Michigan at the big house. Oh, yeah. When Ohio State played Michigan, big upset And they by stormed Michigan. the field, yeah. That's right. They stormed the field. It's 104,000 people or whatever it is. You couldn't see a mask anywhere. Americans are voting by the mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands. They are sick and tired of these restric- restrictions. We don't want to live that way yeah. anymore. I saw a picture on Twitter over the weekend after the Michigan-Ohio State game, and it was, I don't remember the person that tweeted this, um, but it was a picture of the you know thousands of people that had stormed the field, right? And everybody right, was standing right. there, standing right. around right. in the stands. They were standing on the right. field celebrating uh, what was finally, after a long wait, uh, a defeat of uh, the Ohio State University by the Michigan Wolverines. And uh, somebody had pointed out that you know just down the road there's a school that's still not meeting because <laughs> right. of COVID, but right. yet you know we're we're you know this is happening, and um, it just goes to show you that there's a bizarre set of rules and policies that the people who were putting them in place can't justify or back up. They just want to make it so. Well, that's why, I mean, and I thank God for the ability to record people's voices today. Uh, we mentioned the word hypocrisy. Want to play you what we call a montage oh, yeah. of Democrats. Mm-hmm. This is from before Joe Biden was elected. Correct. When we first learned about that first issue of COVID uh, that had come to this country And President Trump was putting restrictions in place. Mm -hmm. He was talking about, let's get these drug companies to develop a vaccine. We're going to hear the voices of uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, Joe Biden, candidate Kamala Harris, uh, Joe Biden once again. Listen to what they were saying about President Trump and his moves to deal with the COVID-19 crisis when it first erupted on the scene. Cut to. We can't trust the president uh, and take his word and take a vaccine that might cause harm to us. If and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. Let's just say there's a vaccine that is approved and even distributed before the election. Would you get it? Well, I think that's gonna be an issue for all of us. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's gonna take the shot? Who's gonna take the shot? We will need to have access to the vaccine results so we can make our independent assessment to make sure that Donald Trump's uh, fingerprints are not on it. You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. You know, Ray, as I was listening to that, if this was all reversed and Republicans and conservatives were saying that today, social media would ban all of those comments. You know, guys, we, we've said before, this, is, this was never 
really about the COVID vaccine or the COVID virus. This has been, this has at least evolved into raw political power. It's an issue of control and the hypocrisy is amazing. It only, it only lasts because the media is covering up. Yeah, I want to talk more about that because there are people who really do believe that there is a globalist agenda behind all of this. Uh, but that, And Americans aren't the only ones rebelling. We're seeing it in France. We're seeing it in Switzerland. We're seeing it in Germany. And people are catching on. There's a whole lot of politics here and very little science. I want to talk about that uh, when we come back. You're listening to today's issues. Fred, Chris, and Ray, we're back after the break. So, Hannah, she's just one of the women who did struggle with infertility in the Bible. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White. Hannah took her pain to God and God heard her and was with her. Hannah's Heart helps couples process infertility and miscarriage through a biblical lens. Join us Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. Find the podcast at AFR.net. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Are you ready to travel again? I hope you are. We've been cooped up in our homes now for, what, a year and a half? A lot of Americans have. And it's time to get back out and see our country. We're going to Washington, D.C. and Mount Vernon. We're also going to Colonial Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We've been doing these tours for several years now. We've set the dates for 2022. We're going in June, and we're going in September. So you pick the month you want to go. We're also doing those tours back-to-back. So if you want to see Williamsburg, Jamestown, also CDC and Mount Vernon, we'll take care of you for the whole week. So for all the information available on these tours, go to spiritualheritagetours.com. Spiritualheritagetours.com. We're going to have a wonderful time together with Christians from all over the country on both of these tours. We'll see you then. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starn. Stand by for news and commentary next. Everyone's goals for advancing their education look different. At Liberty University, we've helped thousands of students like you earn their dream degree. So no matter what your goal is, we can help you get there. With over 450 degrees from the associate to the doctoral level to choose from, most of which are 100% online, you'll find what you need to succeed. To discover which degree might be the best fit for you, text DEGREE to 49595. That's DEGREE to 49595. The White House says they're making plans to deal with what they are calling a new variant of the China virus, Omicron, that's the name. President Biden announced a travel ban from a number of African nations. There could be more restrictions in the works, a possible ban on domestic air travel for unvaccinated Americans. Ironically, when President Trump announced a ban like that, President Biden accused him of being racist and xenophobic, which leads me to an important question. If, in fact, the new variant is so dangerous, why wait three days before implementing the ban? Common sense would tell you to shut down the airports and the borders, unless, of course, this has nothing to do with a public health emergency and everything to do with yet another government power grab. There are great Christmas items available on my website, including my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, and my Blessed Not Bitter Coffee Mug, available right now at ToddSterns.com. Be silent before me so that I may speak. 
then let come upon me what may. Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hands? Though he slay me, I will hope in him. Job 13, 13 through 15. American Family Radio. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Dot net. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. And welcome back to the Monday edition of today's issues. Fred Jackson sitting in for Tim and for Ed and uh, joining us as usual. Chris Woodward from the news department mm-hmm. and Dr. Ray Pritchard uh, from Kansas City. Um, you know, we were talking about uh, just before the break, that montage of Democrats, uh, Biden and Kamala Harris and and uh, Congresswoman Ilana Mar. There are several others uh, that were mentioned in the original montage, how they just dissed whatever President Trump was doing, even though now history has proven that President Trump was bang on. Oh, yeah. In what he was mm-hmm. what he was up to and the. The, the response, how quick it was. Uh, and, of course, we now know that President Trump at the time came down with COVID himself. Mm-hmm. And then when he talked about his treatments, ivermectin, oh, my goodness, it was like he was a witch doctor and how he was being treated. And and so, you know, the, main, the mainstream media, social media, of course, has attacked any opinion that varies from the Biden administration. But there are some out there, Chris, uh, who are willing to do that. And uh, you have a clip of Dr. Scott Atlas? Yes. Yeah. Dr. Scott Atlas was a guest uh, today on Fox News Channel talking about the new variant and the, and the continuing push by people like Dr. Anthony Fauci for lockdowns and masks and vaccines. Clip 10. Yes, infections occur, but it seems to be a mild illness. And, you know, we have to be concerned. We have to see what's going on. We have to watch the evidence. But to incite panic, to introduce policies that failed over and over and over again, like we never saw this fail before. I mean, the lockdowns do not eradicate the virus. This is some almost uh, it's bizarre that we even have to say this. But there's some kind of bizarre (laughs) myth among the governors uh, of the world that somehow we can eradicate the virus by the lockdowns. The virus is not going to be eradicated like that. One thing that I think proves his his point here, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago on the show, Vermont has the highest vaccination rate in the country, but cases are still going up there. Isn't that amazing? Vermont, which has lockdowns and vaccine mandates, they have a high rate of COVID. Florida, which is pretty well wide open, uh, it is proving, and it has the uh, fewest number of cases of COVID. Ray, I, I want to get back to something I mentioned just before the break, though. As I mentioned, this this is now becoming global. Uh, the resistance is growing against all of this because people are saying the, the world cannot exist with these restrictions. Right. Uh, people, for the most part, wherever they are in the world, love freedom. But we now have scientific evidence, as you just pointed out in Vermont, Chris, that these restrictions are not working. So you have to start beginning to think that, okay, there must be another agenda at play here. 
Now, I don't think for a moment that these world leaders, Biden and others, you know, in France, the leaders of France and Germany, Switzerland, other European countries, Australia, New Zealand, they all sat down at a table and uh, said, plotted something out. I, I think there's more, and we've talked about this before, there's more of a spiritual element in this, Ray, in that, you know, the Bible talks about the days of a global government. Right. And I, I, I don't want to jump too far ahead there, but there is the fact that the world, the world leaders, political leaders, are are, are reacting this way and you look at biblical prophecy, I'm, I'm seeing a, a coming together of a, at least a mentality of, of a global leader someday saying, in order to buy food, you have to have this and this. Well, it's interesting, Fred and Chris. This weekend uh, up in Oregon had this very conversation. Christians are thinking about this. If you read the book of Revelation, it, it talks about things that happen on a global scale talks about judgments on a throughout the whole inhabited earth just consider two points number 1 something happened last year that had never happened before in all of world history something 10 years ago we wouldn't have imagined the whole world shut down in one week in one week and that that's not hyperbole in any sense whether you're talking about Uganda or Brazil or Finland or Mongolia or the Philippines, the whole world shut down. We didn't even think that was possible, quote, to shut down the world. But basically, the world economy slowed to a crawl. People went into lockdown, shelter in place. I don't care whether it's an island in the Pacific or it's the southern part of China. It happened everywhere. So that is one thing. Number two, how in the world is this person called the Antichrist going to come to power? He is going to, in some persuasive way, uh, he's going to convince people that he has their best interest at heart. And I think it's going to be some kind of global crisis exactly like this virus situation that's going to cause him to rise to power. So people, we were talking over the weekend, do I think what is happening now is, quote, the mark of the beast? No, but I do think it is the setup for it. It is creating the atmosphere, guys, in which there can be a global takeover of the world economy. And we're living in the days because of the Internet and how everything's interconnected. Stuff the Bible was talking about 2,000 years ago. Yeah. Now, at last in our days, we at least can see this is how it could happen. You know, it, it's, it's really interesting. If you were reading Revelation 20, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. right. you, you believe it's going to happen, but you had questions. Okay, how is it that a global leader, an antichrist, would have that kind of sway over the population, would have the ability to say, unless you have the mark, that you can't go out to the market and buy food, et cetera, et cetera. But I think in some strange way, the pandemic, isn't it interesting how the world catches up with what the Bible tells us is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, Chris, I think that's where we are, is that uh, we're starting to look at what Revelation has told us for 2,000 years, and now we're starting to see, you know what? This is a possibility. But I see in that, and I want to get your comment too, Ray, but Chris, I see in that as an opportunity for witnessing to people 
about the truth of Scripture mm-hmm. and about the, the need for salvation through Jesus Christ. Oh, sure. Yeah, definitely. Everything is an opportunity to share Jesus with someone. And if you are in a situation where someone is quoting to you what they said Facebook says, Revelation says, that is a great opportunity to actually open up the copy of uh, the Word of God and, and find out what God says um, in the uh, in Revelation. To prove uh, Ray's point, you know, about it being the mark of the beast, talking about vaccines, Revelation 13, verses 16 and 17 says the mark is the right hand or in the foreheads. Mm-hmm. So if you're getting the jab, it's in the arm. Right. But it, as many other people have pointed out, it's programming people to kind of fall in line with whatever they're told they must do or what they should do for the sake of their neighbor or their country or, or something of that uh, situation. But definitely, um, there's a lot of uh, opportunities for people to share uh, Scripture with people. This would be a good one. And, you know, I've heard people a lot over the years from different denominations, Ray, uh, they'll mention something like, well, you know, uh, John was, uh, he was in exile on Patmos, and, and maybe he was a little crazy when he wrote that or whatnot. I've always kind of defended that as, look, it's in there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to say Revelation shouldn't be in there, you're dangerously close to the line of saying other parts of the Bible shouldn't be in there. Well, number one, if you're saying that, you really put yourself outside the what we understand is the boundaries of Orthodox Christianity right. for 2,000 years. This is the Word of God. We're not given the right to pick and choose and say, well, you know, I, I don't see any use for Second Chronicles, so I'm going to take it out of my, <laughs> out of my Bible. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this Philemon is just too short. I don't want it. Well, you can't do that with the book of Revelation either. It means something. I, look, I understand Christians debate about the timing of the rapture and the tribulation right. and premillennial, postmillennial. We're not even into that. What we're saying is that what is written in the book of Revelation describes certain events in the last days, which I want to say I think that most of what is described in the book of Revelation is yet future to mm-hmm. us here mm-hmm. in 2021. But I think the point we're trying to make is that that what has happened in this pandemic has actually brought us steps closer to the unveiling of those actual events described in the book of Revelation. Look, I remember 50 years ago, guys, what that, does that date me? <laughs> I, well, it was almost 50 years ago I started at Dallas Seminary and studied under John Walvoord and Charles mm, Ryrie and Dwight wow. Pentecost, great experts in Bible prophecy. And 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 I still, by the way, believe what I was taught back then because I think it's biblical. But one thing back then which nobody could understand in the 70s, how could anybody control, you know, how could there be a, quote, mark that would control the world economy? But guys, the world economy is now digital. Mm -hmm. It's now on the Internet. Whoever controls the Internet, basically, I mean, if, if you control the Internet, you control the economy of the entire world. That's right. What has happened in the last 20 months just shows how when you appeal to fear, when you make people afraid, they will do whatever you tell them to do because they are terrified. I think this is going to be one of the tools the Antichrist is going to use. He is going to appeal to fear, and people will react out of fear. They'll do things because of fear that they would never do in normal times. You know, just one more point on this, and I know we've got some other stories, but I think this is really important. first three chapters of Revelation are, are letters to churches. And I, I think the, the whole of Revelation is a, is a warning, Ray, I think, to churches. Because yes. I, I think many times 
there are some churches that shy away from teaching prophecy. Uh, some think it's things that have already happened, and, and I know there's a debate on that. But I, I think the value in teaching prophecy right now is to prepare Christians because, like you, the rapture could occur today. It might be 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. We, the church today may go through some persecution that, you know, we, we read about when uh, Peter and Paul, mm-hmm. uh, we, may, we may face that before uh, God takes us out of here, takes his church home again. So we need to be ready for these things, and that is the tremendous value of biblical prophecy. So, folks, when this program is over, grab your Bible, yes. turn to that last book of the Bible, Amen. book of Revelation, Say a little prayer, Lord, open my eyes so I can understand what your word is saying and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Read the book of Revelation. Maybe maybe get your newspaper in one hand and your <laughs> book of Revelation in the other. You may be surprised at the close correspondence there. Read the word and then be prepared because, folks, Jesus is coming. And he says in the book of Revelation, behold, I come quickly. Mm-hmm. He yeah. is coming quickly. It won't be long now. I once heard somebody, I don't remember who said this. It's not a quote from me, but I once heard somebody say, if you doubt anything in the Bible, you have a John 1-1 problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've always thought about that when, when you get into the, well, this shouldn't be in there, or that's out of context, or you know things of that sort. So yeah, definitely, it's a great opportunity. And as somebody here that uh, has been a part of the Engage team, uh, we've done stories on this. Uh, you can find them on AFN.net. Uh, a lot of millennials and Gen Z out there, they think they know things about the Bible. They don't. They're really biblically illiterate. And um, it, it could be a societal thing where the people that are teaching them are not necessarily up to speed on these things. So if you know a young person or maybe your church or small group is trying to figure out what to do in terms of outreach for 2022, there's a lot of millennials and Gen Zers out there that need to hear the Word of God. Uh, and you can start with Revelation, as Ray just mentioned there. Amen and amen. All right, Chris, next story. Well, uh, this is kind of a, a positive uh, story, and I think uh, it's worth highlighting. Um, you know, oftentimes we hear politicians, uh, elected officials, uh, they'll complain about something, and maybe they'll uh, say people aren't doing their patriotic duty or whatnot. It's rare to hear an elected official actually step up and help try to be a solution uh, to the problem. Uh, this is Folsom Vice Mayor Sarah Aquino. Uh, she was on Fox and Friends this morning, and she said that she's helping a local restaurant owner by taking a job there in addition to her job as uh, vice mayor. Uh, she's trying to help out amid the labor shortage that we all know and see and hear about. Clip 7. I saw a, a social media post from one of my favorite restaurants in Folsom called Back Bistro, and the post said that they were in desperate need of hosts and bussers, and so I called up the owner, Jeff Back, who owns a restaurant along with his wife, Gail, And I said, look, Jeff, I don't have any experience in the restaurant business, but I'm a hard worker and a fast learner. And if you're willing uh, to teach me and and you need my help, I will commit to work 20 hours a week for the next six months. Wow. You know, Ray, when I was out uh, driving around this weekend in my local area here of Tupelo, there was a sign, and I'm seeing help wanted signs everywhere. And this, but this one had a bit of a twist to it. It said, help wanted if you're willing to show up for work. Wow. And I thought that added a little something to that. There are people out there, healthy individuals, who unfortunately, through a lot of this as government programs, have become very mm-hmm. satisfied with just continuing to collect government checks as long as possible 
and not working. I just give this this fulsome. I, I've never heard of the term vice mayor before, but I I give her credit. She she saw a business in town that was desperate for people to come to work, and in order to help that business out, she's out there. And I I they actually showed video of her. She was wiping a counter. As she said, she had no experience in the restaurant business, but I'll come and do whatever I can. Mm. I, I I think that that. And I, you know what I thought? I thought about retired people who may be out there, you know, and they're looking for a little something to do. The next time you see a help wanted sign, maybe it's a good idea that you pop in there and say, listen, if you can't find anybody else, yeah. I'm willing to wipe the counter or sweep the floor or do whatever to help these businesses out. Let me tell you, Grandma's probably got a couple of recipes, too, that she can, you know, whip up. She doesn't probably know, you know, she couldn't write them down because she learned it by memory from her mama. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, definitely, uh, that's a good thing. I'm waiting on uh, the day when a judge somewhere assigns somebody to do community service by helping a, a business that's in a, you know, labor shortage. I think that's – I wouldn't be surprised if we uh, – didn't see that at some point in the near future. As I say, Ray, I think there's opportunity in this. I, I just think it's a sad day and age uh, when we have uh, uh, businesses that are basically competing, and I'm, this is not original thought, are competing with the Biden administration for work. Well, it's the same way in Tupelo, same way in Kansas City. Uh, over the weekend in Oregon on the Pacific Coast, uh, Marlene and I, my wife, we, we went in for Thanksgiving morning breakfast at the only restaurant that was open in Cannon Beach on Thanksgiving. Nice little breakfast place. But as we went in, they said, you know, we have been short-staffed, so you may have to wait a little while. Mm. You talk to people. It's the same way in the Northwest as it is across the country. There, If you want to work, there are jobs galore. I can't remember a time in America when there have been so many stores well, here in Kansas City, every other, maybe more than every other place has a sign-up help wanted. Mm-hmm. They just can't get, particularly the young people, they are, they're not working because I guess they're getting government payments or some. They're getting their money somewhere else. I can't remember a time in history when that has happened. And by the way, kudos to that vice mayor. That's good leadership right there. Yeah, and that's that's what it's going to take, Chris. Is is that kind of action? Mm-hmm. And I, I know there are union contracts, et cetera, et cetera. But we're talking about, for the most part, non-union environments. Right. We're talking about people who simply want come on in. You're 18 years old. You're trying to get a little bit of a resume started. What a great place it used to be. I remember, Chris, that uh, one of the pluses of going to work for McDonald's was you could put that on your resume. Yeah. And it really mm-hmm. counted for something. Yeah, you had you know, experience. That you're willing to go to work. And, and somehow we kind of lost that. It's, it, it's almost our people are being applauded if they they get more government money. Yeah. And so, gee, I don't have to work. Like, that's a positive. Yeah, I think it goes to show you just how, um, how we have changed as a society in, in a really short amount of time. Um, you know, I, I think, quite frankly, uh, our... Uh, the Americans that lived through the Great Depression uh, and then the period after the Civil War, they would be ashamed of us for how we uh, have carried ourselves as Americans. You know, used to be you got up and worked so that way you could provide, uh, so that way you had something to eat, so that way you had a little bit of money to do this or that. Uh, now we expect people to give things to us. And, you know, 
Um, a good, you know, you hear a lot about how the Democratic Party, this ain't your dem- daddy's Democratic Party today, uh, compared to, say, JFK's administration. You know, JFK himself said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. This vice mayor in uh, Folsom, California, not a red state, um, took it upon herself to help out her neighbor. Yeah. And people don't do that. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, you can get a $1,000 signing bonus now to deliver pizzas in Tupelo, Mississippi, yeah. and they still can't get people to do that. <laughs> A thousand dollar signing boat bonus yes. to deliver pizza. I've seen unbelievable. I, when I was in, uh, I went to Gulf Shores, uh, Alabama in June, and there was a Hardee's there uh, that was advertising a, a breakfast shift position, thirteen dollars and fifty cents an hour, which is far above the minimum wage in the state of Alabama. Uh, so they were offering that, and you know, if you work at Hardee's, really, the the morning rush is going to be your busiest part of the day. And, uh, Ray, there is a, a biblical principle. Uh, uh, the Bible tells me uh, if a person doesn't work, they shouldn't eat. Now, well, I, I know there are disabled people. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about people who are healthy. Everything's working. Their legs, their arms, their, you know, their eyes, everything is working. And, and there is merit, and there is, I be biblical command that we ought to be out there working. Well, well, yes, I guess the problem is we've created a situation the government has where where people can make more money by staying home than by going to work. And until that changes, I don't see how we're going to get people back into the workforce. Because if you are paying people to sit on the couch and maybe play video games, then what's the motivation to get up and take that job at McDonald's or take that job at uh, Hobby Lobby, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, a store that my wife has been frequenting for. Sunday's well, off. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there you go. <laughs> you know, There's a store here that just uh, local to us that my wife has been frequenting for the last year or so. It has gone out of business, not just not just. And it's not Hobby Lobby, but it is a store sort of like that, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What, whatever that category is. All right, they're just showing my lack of knowledge here. But whatever that category is, pretty good store. They cut back, and then finally they went out of business. And I think that's happening with a lot of smaller businesses all over America because they just simply can't find people. you got to have people to care for the customers before you can open your doors, right? Yeah. I, I think there ought to be a work test. Uh, for welfare, uh, that you can, you have to prove that you've been out looking for work, and could and 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 honestly couldn't find that work. But that would be hard to prove today that you couldn't find some right. kind of work, right? That you could do basic type work. Yeah. Well, uh, you remember uh, when Bill Clinton was president and um, Republicans took the majority control of Congress, mm-hmm. uh, they came to a, a sort of compromise over welfare reform. And at that time, uh, it, it was actually written into law that there were going to be some requirements for uh, government programs. Uh, but since then, uh, various administrations have kind of uh, bent the rules, um, so to speak, claiming executive authority over those kinds of situations. And that's why, even though Bill Clinton, a Democrat, who probably could have gotten elected again had he been able to run for a third term, uh, you know, he was in favor of those things by signing it. Uh, but, you know, times have changed, unfortunately. Well, I think you have an administration, Ray, that uh, likes the idea of making people more dependent on government because when you become dependent on government, it gives government more control over your life. Well, then, 
we got to do something in the long term to change who is running our government because as long as this policy is in place, we're going to destroy our own economy today, tomorrow, but in the years to come. So there, there needs to be a change at the top, guys, right? Amen. Amen. Got a short story for yes, us? Yes, let's do this. Um, we've covered this, but there is an update on it. Uh, in recent weeks, uh, NASDAQ-listed companies, uh, well, NASDAQ, uh, decided they were going to require NASDAQ-listed companies to either establish board of director quotas on the basis of race, sex, or sexual orientation, or explain why they have not done so. They got the SEC's blessing over this. SEC's totally in favor of it. And uh, as a result of all this, you've got uh, a lawsuit from an organization called the National Center for Public Policy Research. I spoke to them as, as to why they're suing the SEC and NASDAQ over these board quota rules. Clip six. The SEC has, uh, has acted beyond its authorization in approving this rule. It's not allowed to approve this rule. As, uh, NASDAQ moved beyond its authorization by establishing this rule. All it's supposed to do is make markets run regularly. Neither organization was established or is permitted to uh, social engineer, and that's what this is doing. So basically, instead of picking people because of what they can bring to the corporation, NASDAQ is basically saying if you want to list here, if you want to be on the stock exchange, you got to pick somebody based on their skin color, uh, their sexual orientation, or, you know, explain it to people why you've not done so and let cancel culture get rid of you. Ray, uh, affirmative action is not another one of those boneheaded ideas that the left came up with, and now we see it even in, in corporate America. And I don't understand corporate America embracing something, uh, uh, bringing people in based on those characteristics that you just talked about, Chris, when you want to have people coming in who can do the very best job for you. Oh, yeah. Right. I, I just don't understand why we do that. It's it's counter to good business decisions, affirmative action. Uh, but it's just one of those things that the left, and unfortunately our kids are being taught in our universities, and don't get me started on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, first hour, today's issues on this Monday. Uh, we're wrapping it up. Chris, thank you so thank much you. for being with us. We're going to take a little break for American Family News, and then after that, We'll welcome Steve Jordahl, who has another stack of stories. There is no shortage of stories, folks, uh, whatever day of the week we happen to be here. All right. If you do have to leave us, have yourself a good day. But I would encourage you to stick around because there's more great Today's Issues ahead. We're back after the break. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.